really quick things that you need to take care of and do a quality check in your life to make sure they're not present so that you don't end up either delaying or totally uh, deleting the things that God wants to do in your life. Because the reality is God wants to bless you. Say, God wants to bless me. But also, God is a gentleman. God won't override your will. And at the same time, God would be unjust to bless you for doing the things you're not supposed to do and not bless somebody else. And so God is really, you know, it's not that God is a neutral party, but you have to understand it like this. I talked a little bit about this two weeks ago. When we said this is the year of great grace. Grace makes things available to you. Your faith lays hold to it. Now, now don't miss that. Grace makes things available to you. Your faith is what lays hold to it. Grace is like putting fish in the pond. Your faith is the fishing rod you use to go get the fish. So God can put the fish in the pond, but if you never go fishing, it, it, then, then it's like the fish weren't there. And so it is important that you understand that. Our children are going to be dismissed. Uh, I got excited from Pastor Sean's teaching. I forgot to dismiss the children. I'm sorry. Let me, let me, let me dismiss the children. Hmm? They were asking. I'm sure they was asking. Listen, I'm telling you, I don't know about you. The word of God excites me. And, 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 and I, don't, I ain't talking about preaching. I mean the word excites me. So when I hear a word, and, and maybe it's because I tried God before. Anybody ever tried God? Anybody ever took God at his word and saw God come through? So those kind of things excite me. And so when we start hearing about the things God wants to do, those are not just stories to me. They are reality for me. And, and, and so literally, you know, when God begins to push us to do things that I know only he can do, I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. Yeah. And so there are these seven things that, that can't be in your life. Number one, sin. You got to deal with the sin issue in your life. I know that that doesn't sound good and people don't like to hear that in church no more, but sin is still an issue. Amen. The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Death. Now, it doesn't always mean spiritual death. It means there are sometimes, and, and, and most of us, come on, you know it's true, we've lived long enough to play church. So, so, so there are things that, there, there, there are just some things we don't do, all right? But, I, but, but there are some things that we are still playing with in our life, and the reality of it is, is God has talked to us about letting those things go, but because we haven't let them go, if we're not careful, those very things we don't let go can cause us not to receive manifestation. For instance, if God tells you to, to pray every morning, the Bible says for you to know what to do and not to do it is sin. That's what the Bible says. So if the Lord has given you specifically something to do in your life, but you still find yourself not doing it, you're playing with sin in your life. And sin in your life will stop the manifestation of God. So I don't want to get to May 31st and you all upset, but you ain't stopped doing the things God told you to. So number one, we got to deal with sin. The seven factors that will affect manifestation. The second thing is the will of man. God will not override your, your will. God desires for you to be blessed. But if you don't change your mindset to believe what we're talking about, God will not override your will. And the hardest thing for people sometimes is to understand that as much as God loves you, God is not going to come in and kick the doors of your life open.
He's not going to come in and make you believe that more is possible. He's not going to come in and make you believe that this is your season to be blessed. He's not going to come in and shake you and make you receive healing. You have to make a conscious decision that those things are available to you. So you got to make sure that you're not dealing with sin. And number two, you got to make sure that the will of man is in line with the will of God. Number three, the word of God. You got to make sure that if you are hearing anything other than the word of God, that you expel it out of your life. Because one of the things that will make the word, one of the things that will make manifestation absent in your life is an absence of the word. So you got to make sure being in church is great. Hearing word this morning, hearing the Shunammite, the sword of Shunammite woman is great. But you know what you ought to do? You ought to be reading that thing this week. You ought to be dissecting that thing this week. You ought to be reading, you ought to be reading over there in, 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 in chapter 4, and you ought to be reading in chapter 8. And don't skip chapter 7 because it's a story about the lepers. And it's one of my favorite stories because the Bible says that they were sitting outside the city gate and they was like, well, you know what? If we sit here, we're going to die. If we go in the city, we might die. But if we go in the city, they also might save us. So you got to understand the word of God will propel you to action. It'll propel you to do something. So don't neglect the word of God in your life. Number four, the motive of your heart. The motive of your heart will stop the manifestation from coming. I so love what Pastor Sean said about material blessings. Because people, in the part of the conversation I was having with this guy this week, and I really don't think he was just trying to be antagonistic, but, but, but people don't understand that God don't have no issue with you having nothing. No, let me help you. I, if you say you want a new Louis bag and you want, you want the one, you, you, you want the same one Kim K got. God don't care if you have that. God ain't tripping that you got some bag that costs $5,000, $10,000, You trip about that because you put the value on it. But as long as it don't have you, God don't mind if you have it. Now, you can't do something crazy and get a bag and don't pay your rent. But, 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 but you got to understand, the motive of your heart is what's important. If you want the stuff so you can floss and you can feel important and everybody can look at you and you can talk about what you have, that's the wrong motive. But if you have a desire to have it because you like the beauty of it, you like the feel of it, and you're doing everything God told you to do, and you just want it because God gave it to you in the desire of your heart, ain't nothing wrong with having it. My family used to talk to me because I always used to say I wanted a big house. I want a bigger house than I have right now. I'm going to have a bigger house than I have right now. My wife, people, my wife is always saying, but everybody's leaving. I don't care if everybody go. I'm going to get my dream house before it's over. What's the motive of my heart? God know I share my 12,000 square foot house because I shared my 2,000 square foot house. So, so, so God, so ain't no issue about folk can't stay with me, but, but, but the motive of your heart will stop manifestation. If you desire things so that people see you as important, rather than desiring the thing because God put it in your heart, that's the wrong motive. It'll stop manifestation. Number five, Chris leaned over and said this one to me, obedience. Disobedience will stop manifestation. In fact, we used to say this so many times. Literally, I think we started saying this. I, don't, I think we started saying this when we was on College Avenue. When we were at the old beauty school. Some of y'all said, what? Yeah, we used to be at the old beauty school. We used to say this all the time. On the other side of obedience is provision. 
The moment you find yourself obeying God, provision shows up in your life. Some of you, if you're honest, it's not that God's withholding nothing from you. You can, you can, you can write off a list of where you've been disobedient. Come on, be honest. It ain't that God's holding something back. You can start leaving. I was all disobedient there. I didn't do that. I should have done that. I didn't do that. I cussed him. I shouldn't have. I just did that. Did Listen, disobedience is the one thing that the enemy loves to use because it's so natural to us. No, no, no. Disobedience doesn't have to be taught. You take a two-year-old and ask them if they did it, and they'll go, no. Nobody taught them that. Lying is a part of your nature. Disobedience is a part of your nature. Why is it a part of your nature? Because Adam sowed it into you. When Adam was disobedient, the Bible says that we were all begot after Adam in the same manner. So Adam was a liar. You're a liar. So the only way we get out of that situation is to be renewed in our mind. We have to be born again, and then we have to work on the development of our soul. Because if we're not careful, the enemy will send a situation your way just to get you to lie. He'll get people to come and talk to you just to get you to lie. Folk who ain't talked to you in months will come to you just so you can lie. Why? Because he understands that disobedience is an opportunity to cause you to not receive manifestation. Not only that, but you got to understand, we, I was telling the kids this several weeks ago when we did our whole study on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments aren't the only commandments. Anything God says to you becomes a commandment. The kids had a revelation. They was like, so if my mama tell me to clean my room, that's a commandment? Not just from God, but from your mama. It's a commandment. Whatever someone in authority over you tells you to do becomes your duty to do it. So when God says to you, I need you to do X and you don't do X, you're now participating in disobedience. The Bible says it like this. The Bible says that when we are disobedient to God, we are mimicking our father of the air. He says, literally, when you disobey God, he says, you leave from having the character of God to having the character of your lying father. The Bible says that the devil has been a liar. And then we add, and a deceiver too. So he's been a liar and a deceiver. And when you don't obey God, you line yourself up with him. Number six, the sixth thing. These are seven factors that will affect manifestation. The order of things. Hear me when I say this. You got, yes, God can make you rich instantly, but God can also cause you to work and build wealth. Y'all didn't hear that. Everybody loves the lotto system of blessings. You wake up and all of a sudden you're a millionaire in the kingdom. But God will also allow you to acquire knowledge. He'll let you study. He'll let you have some trial and error. He'll help you to come into a revelation of how things work. You cannot supersede the order of things. If a woman decides that she wants to have a baby, yes, she's got to get pregnant, but no woman gets pregnant on Monday and wants to have a baby on Friday. There's a gestation period that is necessary for the viability of the baby. Sometimes God gives you a promise, but there is a process for the viability of that promise. 
Some of you, 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 you discount God because his time is not like yours. God gives you a promise. He tells you, listen, I tell people this who are working on a marriage. God promises you a sweet marriage, but he didn't say it was going to happen tomorrow. It takes time, energy, effort to work and to build something that is positive. The same thing is true with your career. I tell young people all the time, listen, everybody likes to be the CEO, right? But sometimes God will let you start off in the mail room so you understand how it works down there. Sometimes he'll bring you up to that, to that, to that middle, middle management level so that you, when you get to the senior management, you don't forget how it felt to be there. And so you cannot neglect the order of things. Pastor Sean said it's so good. When Jesus went into Tabitha, he spoke to her and she got up. But when the man of God went into the Shudamite woman's son, he had to labor for a little bit. But at the end, they both came back to life. So if God gives you a promise, whether you got to lay on it or speak to it, you just want the promise to come alive. You just want the promise. It's the same thing I tell people about healing. I grew up with a pastor who flowed in the gifts of healing. That was the thing he was called to. So from a little boy to, to, to teenage years, I can't tell you the number of physical manifestations I saw happen in the church service. I'm, I, I, the, the one that, the one that just, just really, really solidified healing was real for me is he had a, a woman came in and she had this huge growth. It was probably about the size of my fist on her wrist. And it affected her fingers so that they were, they, were, they were like this because they were pushing down on her nerves and everything. And I remember he was preaching, and Pastor Anderson looked over at her hand, and he said, do you believe God can heal that? She jumped up and said, yes. He took out a long white handkerchief, wrapped it around her, her wrist, poured oil on it, prayed on it, and when he took it off, her hand was as smooth as mine. Sometimes what you have to do is you have to have a personal experience with God. And the problem with some people is they've never had a personal experience with God. So when we come and we talk about what God will do, it sounds good to you, but you ain't had a personal experience with God. But when you begin to have a personal experience with God, then you understand that there are some things that God may take, the pro take you through the process, but there are some things God will just do for you. So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, say, do not violate the natural order of things. Say, but do not discount God's supernatural abundance. Amen. He'll do it. And then number seven, you got to remember, these are things that will stop manifestation. Satanic attacks. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you have an adversary. So you can't forget about that. Coming to church does not exempt you of life's problems. Being a Christian doesn't exempt you of life's problems. Just because you shout, just because you fast, just because you pray, just because you give, that doesn't mean there won't be problems that arise in your life. In fact, sometimes, this is what Pastor Sean and I call it, we call it every now and then the devil will try to sucker punch you. You, you ever been sucker punched? You ever been walking by and Jimmy just lean over and kind of hit you? That, that, that's how he say hello. It's a, it, it catch you off guard. You, you're like, oh. A sucker punch is not like the one you see coming. The one you see coming, you can brace for. You can, you can, you, you can sturdy your shoulders. You, you, can, you can strengthen your core. But there are sometimes in your life, because you're not omniscient, you're not omnipresent, you don't know everything that's going to happen, there are sometimes that the devil will hit you with something. But in those times, those are the times you got to be like the shooting of my woman, and you got to make sure you're not saying the wrong thing. 
So when you get hit with something, don't open your mouth and agree with what Satan just did to you. Don't, don't let your refrigerator go out and you say something stupid like every time I save money, I got to spend it. Because those are the kind of satanic attacks that come to try to get you to agree with something negative. I tell you one time, man, Pastor Sean, we, we had decided, man, we had gotten to this thing. We had a wash, we had that, not the one we have now, but that other washing dryer. I'm telling you that washing, that drink has so much anointing on it. Every time it tried to go out, we lay hands on it. Now, 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 watch this. It, even, it wasn't even because we couldn't buy another one. We had decided that we were going to use our faith and that that wash and dry wasn't going to stop till we said so. And sometimes you got to be willing to fight to prove that the word of God is true for you. Not that it's not true. It's always true. You got to prove that the word of God is true for you. And if you can take care of those seven things, I'm telling you, manifestation will happen in this month. Manifestation will happen in this month. That's not the only scholarship. Some of y'all, even though you're already in school, listen, there are scholarships with your name on it. Now watch this. That may mean instead of going home today and sleeping for the next four or five hours, you get on the internet and look for them. Sometimes you got to put in some effort. In fact, there's a scripture the Bible says that much sleeps bring you to poverty. Now, I ain't going to preach my message about sleep, but there's a whole message about the fact that if all you like to do is sleep, you're going to end up in lack. And so I'm telling you, you should hear me. You should be like, you know what? I done searched before. Search again. Look again. Before you Google, say, Lord, give me the algorithm to use to look. Give me the words, how I can put them together so that that scholarship I'm looking for comes to the top of the line. God will do it. You just got to believe it. Remember, your mindset will determine what you walk into. Amen? So let's talk about how to respond to faith this morning. Amen? We want to talk about how do we respond to faith. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 93 through 96, is where we were two weeks ago. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. And here's what it says. It says, I will never forget your commandments. For by them, Lord, you give me life. I am yours. Rescue me, Lord. For I have worked hard at obeying your commandments. It says, though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. For everything human has its limits. And I have seen an end of all perfection. But Lord, your commandments are exceedingly broad. In other words, here's what he says. He says, Lord, I've done everything I can to obey you. He says, Lord, I've done those things you've asked me. I've kept your commandments. He says, Lord, if there's something around me that's trying to keep me from doing it and from obeying you, rescue me, Lord. Some of you, that's what you need to say, because sometimes it's not easy to break up with things you've been in love with. Come on. Let's be honest. There's some stuff that you've been doing that ain't right, but if you're honest, you're in love with it. And it's never easy to break up with that which you are in love with. So he says, rescue me, Lord. Take the plate from me, Lord. Change my mindset, Lord. Let me ask you a question. Let's say you go to the store. And there is something that you want that costs $1,000. But the day you walk in, it's on sale for 500. 
You buy it for $500. How much did you just save? No, you didn't. You spent $500. You ain't saved nothing. You ain't saved no money. You spent $500. And what you have to learn to do is say, Lord, I am addicted to sales. Rescue me, Lord. Rescue me. And so what happens is we set up scenarios in our life that cause us not to be in line with the will of God sometimes. And so we have to say, Lord, rescue me. He says, though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, he says, I'm going to quietly keep my mind on, on God's laws. That means that when things are going crazy, you don't need to be talking to everybody. Man, she said that earlier. I, couldn't, I told you she was preaching the message. Here's what you got to understand. It's, stop rehearsing your problems with everybody who will listen. You got to stop. Just because somebody is willing to listen doesn't mean you need to be telling that story. Why? Because the more times you tell it, the more real it becomes to you. The more time you tell it, the more real it becomes, the bigger it gets magnified. So you had something bad happen at work. Now you done told 12 people before you got home. You've rehearsed that story over and over and over again when what you should have done is kept your mouth quiet and focused on what God said. And so last week we got into this thing and I was giving you some, 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 I was giving you some tips or some, 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 some keys to how you respond in faith. And so I want to go back and revisit those. The first one that we talked about was this idea of how we respond in faith, because the Old Testament and the New Testament is full of these examples. The first one we talked about was Abraham. Y'all remember Abraham? The Bible says in Abraham, in Romans 4, 19 and 20, we see where Abraham said this. The Bible is recorded as saying he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but being strong in faith and being fully persuaded that he had determined that whatever God had promised, he was faithful and just to do. Notice what it said. He was strong in what? Faith. He was strong. When you're strong in faith, natural circumstances or problems don't supersede, don't supersede the promise. And so one of the things we said last week is that if you're going to learn how to respond to faith, to faith, the first thing you have to learn to do is to consider the promise more than you consider the problem. You got to consider the promise more than you consider the problem. What's the problem in your life? But what did God say? When people come to me for counseling, those of you who've ever heard me do a counseling session, you know my number one question is what did God say? Because where does faith begin? Where the will of God? So how can I get you in faith for something if you don't know what God said? When I told Pastor Sean yesterday, and I always, we, we, we run things by each other. So, so we, had, we, had, we had already done what we had planned to do um, Kaylee, but, but, but I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, and the Lord begins to challenge me. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. When he first said it, I thought he was talking to somebody else. Because I, I know what the budget is. I, I know what it was. So I'm looking around like, who are you talking to? And, 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 but you got to understand, you can't preach faith and then God not challenge you. You can't hear faith. And God not challenge you. And so God began to say to me, he says, this is what you've been saying you want to do for years. I said, and in my mind, I, because, because I've gotten a little wiser, I don't say anything. 
No, my mind is, got, I got lots of stuff going on in my mind. My, my mind is, is giving all kind of rebuttals. But I've learned to keep my mouth closed. And in, in the midst of me keeping my mouth closed, here's what God says. God says, do you believe I can do this? Now, how do you respond when God, I, it's God. It's kind of not a fair question, right? Because, I mean, uh, you God. He says, do you believe I can do this? So naturally, it's like when he asked Peter, do, when Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. He said, well, you better get to coming because it's me. So I say, yes, Lord, I, I believe it's you. He said, here's what you got to understand. You don't need it till you need it. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. He said, you don't need it until you need it. And I says, okay, God. He says, so all you got to do is trust me, and if you trust me, I'll provide it. But the first step is on you. Man, look, me and Pastor Sean was on the website trying to figure out how to do one of them little check things. We couldn't figure out how to get one done in time. Timber was over to the house. I got, I got determined. When God gives you an assignment, you don't delay the assignment. Oh, watch this. I don't know nothing about Photoshop. I don't know nothing about Publisher. I don't know nothing about Adobe. I don't know nothing, but I know Word. I created that in Word. I created the whole thing with text boxes. Now, you understand if you got a text box. Now, watch this. Now, watch this. You understand if you use a text box, it's got a box around it. So I printed it off, whited out all the text boxes, made a copy. What I did get the first time, I did it the second time. Why did I do that? Because if you, watch this, watch this. But why do I do that? Pastor said, oh, you don't got in teacher mode now. Right, because as a teacher, when you get an idea, you're not going to be denied. You're not going to delay the lesson to another day. You're going to do it that day. But why do I get, I get dogmatic about stuff like that. Because when God tells you to move, if you delay, the devil will talk you out of it. And you, and you got to be careful because delay comes to talk you out of what's designed to promote you. So that's why, that's why when God says pray at six, you delay to seven. That's when God says give today, you say I give next week. Delay is always designed to give the enemy time to talk you out of what God has said. So I didn't know how we was going to get that thing to you today. But we was going to get it. Why? Because you got to get to the place where when God tells you to move, nothing stands in your way. Not your, I, I'm on the computer saying, Lord, tell me how to do this. Show me. I'm making mistakes. I, I'm trying to return and my whole thing getting big. Listen, but if you stick with God, God will show you how to do whatever he's assigned you to do. So if, God, so if God made you a promise that he's going to get you a new job and you keep looking at a new job ain't out there, keep looking. Because that job is out there. Ask God, ask God, how should I look? When should I look? What should I do? Because what you got to do is you got to say, you know what? I know this problem is big, but the promise is bigger. I know this problem I'm facing right now is hard, but the promise God made me is bigger than the problem. Amen? And then the second one we talked about was Paul and Silas. You've heard this story before. The Bible says that they were in chains in jail, and at midnight, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't moan and complain. What did they do? They began to sing songs. So one of the things we said last week is that when you are in a faith challenge, don't complain, learn to rejoice. 
It seems counterintuitive that you would give God praise in the midst of trouble. But the reason why it works is because your praise always confuses the enemy. Now, now I ain't talking about your pity praise. Because sometimes people do pity praise. See, God knows your heart. For like, I'm in trouble. They say, Pastor, I better praise. Thank you, Lord. You know how this is going to work out. Praise you, Lord. You ain't going to get, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in He said, let not that man think he's going to receive anything. From the Lord. So you've got to learn to be a person that literally, when things are going bad, you can push the pause button and say, God, I think that things are as well as they are. You got to learn how to rehearse the good things. God, you know what? Maybe I didn't get the job, but God, I think that I still got this one. Thank you, Lord. You know, Lord, maybe I didn't get this promotion, but God, I thank you that I got a favorable evaluation. I believe it was a position opening up for me. You know, Lord, 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 maybe my kids didn't get, maybe my kids didn't do as well in school this semester, but Lord, I think they ain't flunk out. I mean, I mean you, t- tell you, say, neighbor, sometimes you have to dig. Uh-huh. Sometimes you got to dig, but I'm telling you, when you begin to be joyful over those testimonies, the Bible says we're overcome by the words of our testimony. And sometimes you got to learn to rehearse those testimonies so that you don't get bogged down in what it seems like it's going to be. And then the third thing we begin to talk about, which I ain't going to hardly touch, is the Shunammite woman. Pastor Sean did a great job with that one. But here's the thing I want to stress to you. I want to go back. I want to go back to what she said when she went to her husband. And he said, hey, what's the deal? What's wrong? Why you got to go see the man of God? She didn't break down and start crying. She said, my son dead. She didn't start crying and bawling. She said, all is well. When she got to Gehazi, she didn't say something else. She said, all is well. And sometimes that's what you need to learn how to do, even in the midst of adversity. Just say, all is well. They talk about laying people off. You don't be having conversations at lunch talking about, oh, I hope I ain't one of them. I can't tell you. Listen, they start talking about, anytime I'm on a job and they start talking about cuts, I start praying for the other people because I know they ain't talking about me. I'm a tither. I am protected. So when they start talking about layoffs, I start praying for all the non-tithing people so that they don't end up in destruction. Because I know what God's promised me. See, some of y'all think that's arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's what the word of God says. Some of y'all need to get a little arrogance. You need to get just, 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 just a smidgen. Just a smidgen. You just need to get a little tenacity about yourself that says, you know what? I know that when I obey God, the word works. Some of y'all need to get a little superhero action in your life. You know every superhero thinks they can beat the other superhero. That's why they have movies like Batman versus Superman. It didn't say Batman beat Superman. They named it Vert because both of them thought they could win. Now, 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 God is on your side. So if God be for you, who in the world can be against you? But the issue is sometimes what we do is we think God is over here watching the fight and we got to fight by ourselves. But greater is he that is than he that is in the world. So we got to make sure we're saying the right things. Amen? Amen? And then the last thing we talked about, 
Our fourth thing that we talked about on last week is how we got to this place where we were, we were talking about we were talking about grace and how grace and faith go together. And, and many times you have to understand when we talk about grace, and I, I have to slow down when I say this, when we talk about grace, most people hear grace from the standpoint of God forgives me. Nothing wrong with that kind of grace. God does forgive you. But so many times when the Bible talks about grace, if you look it up, there are two different Hebrew words that denote those words grace. If you don't have a lexicon with you when you're reading it, you'll make one definition mean both things, and it's not. When the Bible says that God has given us all things that pertain to what? Life and what he's saying is God has graced you to live. Yes. Now, now watch this. He's graced you to live. What does that mean? It doesn't mean he forgave you to live. That's not what that means. What it means is he has made available beforehand everything you need for what he calls life and godliness. Now why I say what, what he calls life? Because some of what we call life is not life, it's existence. Pastor, what do you mean? Because he says, and I know it because it's in the red when you read it, in John 10 and 10, he says, I come that you might have and that you may have it more abundantly. So life to him is in abundance. So when Pastor Sean starts talking about extravagance, she starts talking about living an extravagant lifestyle. It's not just material things, but it is material things. But God wants you to have extravagant faith. God, watch this. God wants you to love extravagantly. God wants you to have extravagant long suffering. Oh, I got, I mean, yeah, amen to love. Amen to materials. I say love, I say long suffering. The whole room got quiet. Can we try again? Can we try again? God wants you to love extravagantly. God wants you to have extravagant faith. God wants you to display long-suffering extravagantly. Yeah. Amen. That was still weak. That's still, y'all tripping. That was still weak. Y'all growing up and becoming. See, God doesn't just want the, and, and that's what goes back to motive. It goes back to motive. And we all have to check our hearts on that. It's easy to receive the things from God that are good for us. It's not always so easy to receive the things of God it's going to give me other people, going to give other folk a bunch of chances. But I'm talking about how to respond to faith, right? So they asked Jesus, they said, well, Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive them? What did Jesus say? A day. See, so, some of y'all are like, well, I've been, I've been keeping count. No, no, no. <laughs> 70 times 70 Some of y'all actually think, and I went back and looked this up, some of y'all actually think that means people could do those, that many different things. It literally means the same thing. Ah. <laughs> I was like, so they got seven times 70, all these times to do something to me. So I went back and stated, it means they got that many times to do that thing to you today. And that you have to forgive them. That thing. So, so they can have 10 different things and do each of those 10 different things seven times. Six. Some of y'all done already walked out the room. 
I, I done lost y'all. Let me go. Let me go back. Let me preach on something else because I done lost y'all. So when you start talking about extravagance, you got to be able to take it dually. You can't just take extravagance for the thing that makes your life great. You also got to take extravagance for how you're supposed to display the character of God. That's how faith responds. Amen. That's how faith responds. Second Peter one, two through four. Here's what it says. It says second Peter one, two through four. It says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through what? Lust. Why does he say that? God says, I love the scripture Pastor John read when he said, ask me for anything. But when you're asking God for something, it shouldn't come out of a lustful place. It shouldn't. And, and, and I know we think of lust and when we think of lust, all we ever equate lust to is sex. Lust is so much more than that. You can have a lust of power. You can have a lust of prestige. Listen. I can't tell you the number of folks who Pastor Sean and I encounter on a monthly basis who always wanted us to, to have almost a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them about what we teach at FOC. But they won't come to FOC now because it's not perceived to be prestigious enough. That's wrong motive. That, but, but watch this. Even if you go to a place that is a large place, but you only go because it's being deemed as being prestigious. What you could have gotten there, you missed because you're looking at the prestigious to know what's going on there. So you got to be careful that you don't ask God. So when I'm asking God to grow us, I'm never asking God to grow us so that somehow I can be perceived as the pastor of the big church. In fact, I got this saying in my life that says 80 is better, that 8 is better than 80. I'd rather go to war with eight folks than I would with 80 folk who, are, who, who have no, no integrity about going to war. And so it doesn't take 800 people to fill up an auditorium for a church to do something. It takes eight people on fire for God. Eight people, 80 people on fire for God. But you get 800 people on fire for God and you got something happening, amen? Yes. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. we have everything, everything in us, in us right, now right now to do, to do everything, everything God, God has called us to do. Us. I wish you believed that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We may not know how to access it just yet, but it's in us. How do I know? The Bible says this. It says that a seed always gives birth after its own kind. If you plant an apple tree, you can pray over that tree. You can put oil on that tree. But when it produces, you know what it's going to produce? Because everything is born after its own kind. You and I are born of the living God. And because we are born of the living God, that means that everything we need is on the inside of us. Now, here the Bible says this. It says that when, when Jesus was on the earth, he had all of heaven in him without measure. Mm -hmm. 
Now you good, but you ain't got all of heaven in you without a measure. But you know what God does? He connects like people together. So areas that Rod would have and areas that he may not have, Tamar would have. So God, so, so God knows what he needs to get done in a region, right? God knows what he needs to get done in a state, right? So what God does is he calls these people together so that when we link up, we are a representation of everything heaven has. Yes. That's why we need you. Amen. That's the reason you should never feel insignificant. No, we, we, Pastor and I, we talk to people about this all the time. People go, well, I love FOC, but I don't feel like I, like I feel, I don't feel like I'm working. You hadn't asked God what your party is. Because if you ask God what your party is, you might not ever preach a sermon. You might not ever sing a song. But your presence is needed. Because when your presence is here, it, it, it makes us a part of all being what God would have us to be. Amen? And so we're talking about responding to faith. So this morning, as I get ready to close, I want to share with you how to upgrade your belief. How do I upgrade my belief? I want to give you, I believe there's six of these. Number one, you have to learn how to meditate on the word. Can I, I wish I should have thought about this earlier. I just got thought about it. Here's how you meditate, okay? Now, now don't get religious on me, all right? Over the past couple of weeks, the radio has been inundated with an album by a popular singer. Well. If I say the word, which, which, which two weeks ago wouldn't have mean, if I say hold up, Wait. see? <laughs> see? Now, 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 right now, for some of you who've been meditating, you heard a melody. Yep. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all still hearing it. Stop. <laughs> Meditation is about listening with intent. Yes. With yes. intent. That's good, Dad. It was so funny. When Beyonce came out with her album Lemonade that first night, I, I think it's a good work. She, she did a good job. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I do. I do. I think she did a good job. <laughs> My point being <laughs> is that when she first came out with the song, I was in the room with, with Pastor Sean, and I was listening to it, and I don't know if it was just the, the recording that we were listening to. I couldn't hear everything she was saying. And so I caught pieces of it, but there were other pieces I didn't. So the whole thing didn't make sense to me as a whole, the, the, this particular song we were listening to. But after I was able to pull up the lyrics, and understand what she was saying, understanding the intent by what she said, it made a whole lot more sense to me. Some of you don't spend enough time reading your Bible that way. You read over your Bible in that King James Bible you got for free. You were on vacation and they had that Gideon Bible, and you thought it'd be nice to have one. <laughs> Invest in something that will help you understand the lyrics. Yes. Come on. Yes. 
When I read, I read out of the voice translation. I read out of the message translation. I read out of the amplified translation. I read out of the NIV translation. I read out of God's words translation. I got 27 translations that I read all of my scriptures out of because sometimes the lyric in one of them don't make sense. But I don't just say I don't understand what the words are saying. I slow it down. I watch the video. So sometimes I have to get a story and I have to read it in such plain language that it actually paints a picture for me. But if you don't have that kind of desire, you will never build up your faith because you won't meditate on the word. The Bible says God doesn't hide revelation from you, that he hides revelation for you. If it was easy to understand everything in the Bible, everybody would understand it. It's not that God makes it difficult, it's that it's hidden for you. You know how much more valuable, think about this, okay? For Christmas, and be honest, for Christmas, somebody could get you a gift, right? They could, oh, let, let's use an example. Somebody name something you really like. Just name something you really like, really like. Okay, look, money, Louis Vuitton, what you, what, what you like, what, what you want? Come on, y'all know y'all got some dreams. What you dream, what you want? Bugatti, what you want? Space Jam Jordan, all right? I, let, let, let's say I got Tamara the Space Jam Jordans. The week before, the week before they came out. I had a way to get them before. She would appreciate them if I gave them to her in a Walmart bag. She would. Yes, she would. She'd be, at first, she'd be like, Dad. But when she took them out that bag, she wouldn't. But do, you know, <laughs> but do you know how much more appreciative she would be if I gave her that box of Space Jam? Space Jam, space wrapped up in an old school Space Jam paper wrapping. Oh, I love it. <laughs> now, it's the same shoes. It's the same shoes. So what's the difference? It's the presentation. The presentation matters. The presentation matters. And so you got to understand, when it comes time to meditating on the word, you can't just spend just, just a few minutes with the word. you got to spend enough time so that the presentation of that word matters. That's why that story is so real to her. I only ask her to preach it sometimes because I like to see how excited she gets. She gets. I said this morning, I, I, I got up this morning, and I thought, well, who's doing offering? And I said, I didn't even, I, I said, when you do offering, will you preach to my woman again? She was laying in bed. She was like, yeah. <laughs> she got up and got her phone. Why? Because there are certain things that when, they, when, you've, when you've meditated on them, they become real to you. They become real to you. That's why you got people living out lemonade, and that song wasn't even about them. <laughs> Number two. Number two, you want to upgrade your belief system? You have to learn to be rooted in thanksgiving. You got to be rooted in thanksgiving. Let me help you. When you see somebody else being blessed, you ought to shout with them. Sometimes when you see somebody get something that you wanted and you didn't get it, you get that little tinge. That's what I call it. You get, a little, you get a little tinge, it's called jealousy. <laughs> but we try to give it another name, but it's called jealousy. That's what it's really called. 
And then you'd be like, oh, that's, that's so nice. <laughs> y'all laughing because y'all don't feel that twinge. So when other people get blessed, you have to learn to have a spirit of thanksgiving. So that when your blessing comes, when you're receiving from God, when things are working for you, then you can be excited and people ain't looking at you side eye because you don't ever scream for nobody but yourself. So we have this funny story, and I love them. It's, it, it's, it was hilarious. Chase and Caleb uh, are really close in age. He, he's smiling already. But Chase had a birthday, and it was when the, when the little game, there was six and five. What was it? A DS. He was a DS. And so Chase said he wanted one. And so we thought, well, we'll get him one for his birthday. What color was his? Blue? Red. His was red. So we got him a red one. We got him a red one. Right. He know the story. <laughs> we got him a red one. And Chase opened it. And, man, his little eyes was lit up. And, and, and everybody was, we was just having a great time for him. And he was so excited. And he, you know how when you open it, you get the little game cartridge that came with it. And he was getting ready to play it. And we looked over there, and Caleb had these big old tears in his eyes. And we were like, <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> But listen, he wasn't just petty, though, because he had these big tears in his eyes. And we was like, Kayla, what's wrong? And he said, he got, that he got, he got a big tinge. He said, I want to be happy for him, but I can't. <laughs> listen, listen, we hadn't thought about the idea that he wanted one, too. It was Chase's birthday. So we hadn't thought about buying him one too, but let me show you something. Whenever you get that tinge like that, I appreciate the fact that he was honest. Now, now watch, you're gonna learn something from this. He was honest. In fact, he was so honest, he didn't want to, 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 to downgrade his brother's birthday. So he went downstairs in his room and he didn't, we didn't see him till the next day. He went to sleep, he, was so, he was, had so much tinge. But because he responded the right way, because he wasn't evil, because he wasn't spiteful, because the next day he said he was really happy for his brother, he said, I was just sad that I didn't have one. His father went and bought him one. Y'all missed that. If you are honest with God, there are times you'll see somebody get something that you've been praying for. It's okay to say, God, I'm hurting. God, I've been believing for that. But if you will maintain the right posture, if you will keep the right attitude, your father will come through for you too. So you got to learn to meditate on that word. You got to learn to have the right attitude, amen? And you got to have a spirit of thankfulness. Not just for yourself, but even for other people. It is so, you know the devil the devil, he don't have any new tricks. All his tricks are old. He don't have any new tricks. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Here's what he does. Something will happen for somebody else, and y'all both been believing for the same, same thing, and he'll start to judge the other person for you. What do I mean? He'll start saying, well, I don't know why that happened for Chris. She ain't always doing stuff she's going to do. Now the devil talking to you. Chris ain't saying, you ain't Chris, and he had no issue. 
But, but he's a sower of discord. So his job is to sow discord. That's why you got to be careful. In this church, it's going to be a whole bunch of folk being blessed. If yours don't come first, don't be upset. Just know that every blessing that God has made available to every person will come to that person. And somebody else being blessed doesn't, doesn't delay yours. Number three. If you're going to build up your belief system, here's the thing I was saying earlier. You've got to have confidence in the finished work of Jesus. You have to have confidence in the finished work of Jesus. We are not trying to be blessed, guys. We're not about to be blessed, guys. It's not, it's not going to happen this month, guys. We are already blessed. We are already empowered. What Jesus did on the cross was a finished work, not just for salvation, but for living. People preach the message about Jesus on the cross, and they use those words when he said, it is finished. But when they say that, they're talking about, okay, now we can go to heaven. You need me? I, I can't read. Tamara? Oh, Tamara. All right. Listen, it's okay. I just can't, I can't hardly, I can't read lips. Like, I'm, my wife be like, shut up. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I, you, gotta, you gotta speak a little louder. I can't hear that. But when Jesus went on the cross, it was a finished work. It was a finished work. What does that mean? That means that there are things that God has already made available, okay? He, they're not trying to be created. They exist right now. And when you believe on those finished works, it's, it's like, oh, what, what's a, it's like if I say to Nitra, if I say Nitra, you can come over my house this afternoon and you can have a piece of birthday cake. But I already have the birthday cake at the house. That's different than if I say, Nietzsche, you can come to my house and have a piece of cake, but I got to go pick it up at Walmart. Because I could go to Walmart and they could be out. But with the finished work, it's already there. So your belief system increases when you learn to trust the finished work of Jesus. For instance, anybody here believe you're going to heaven? Anybody believe that? You believe that based on a finished work. So you're not struggling every day trying to figure out whether you're going to go to heaven today. Wednesday you're not. Thursday you might. Friday you're going to, yeah, we're we good on Friday. Saturday we know it's a no-go. <laughs> we're not living like that, right? We're living every day knowing no matter what, we're going to heaven. It's because of a finished work. You have to believe God's promises that way. Because the same promise he made about you finishing school, the same promise that he made about you going back to school, the same promise he made to you about the house, the car, the idea, the invention, the same promise he made to you about the relationship, the kids, every promise based, every promise he made you came from the same place. So that promise of salvation came from the same place. So if it came from the, so if it came from, y'all let the baby fall. You know, you know, you know, when, y'all, y'all, nah, nah, nah. you know, when babies get hurt, 
People start moving on. <laughs> Don't nobody want to be associated with the baby that got hurt. <laughs> so we got to make sure we believe in those finished works. Amen? Make this confession. Say, I declare that I believe that I receive all the finished works of Christ. Amen. Amen. Number five. Number four. I'm sorry. Number four. No, number four was have confidence in the finished works. In the finished works. You're right. Number four. Keep in mind that you walk by faith and not by sight. Keep in mind that you walk by faith and not by sight. Now, why is this important? You are a human being. As a human being, the thing you have used to protect your entire life is your five senses. You have honed them very well. In fact, research tells us that if you were to lose one of your senses, the other four become more keen. It is the reason that you take people who can't see and their hearing increases because your senses are designed to keep you safe. The problem is if you don't understand that particular scenario, you will use your senses to govern your spiritual life as well. And you cannot use your five senses to govern your spiritual life. Why? Because if you use your five senses to govern your spiritual life, inevitably God will ask you to do something and you can't see how it's going to work. And so because your five senses are designed to protect you, you will go by what you can see rather than what God said. So you have to be a person who learns how to hone their senses, but to be also able to make sure that those senses are not governing God's word. Give you a prime example. Y'all remember when Jesus came back after the resurrection and the disciples was telling everybody that Jesus was back and they told Thomas that Jesus was back? What did Thomas say? Thomas said, except I can what? See the nail prints in his hand and put my finger through them, touch them. He said, I will not what? Believe. And when Jesus shows up, Jesus put a little, a little thing on his name. Doubt. He said, oh, Thomas, why doest thou doubt? He says, blessed are those who have to see before they believe. He says, but blessed are those who believe and don't have to see. If you got to wait till they call you for the third interview before you say, I believe this is my job. Well, I ain't going to say nothing right now because that's just the first round. You're focusing on your intellect, on your five senses. You cannot allow your five. Listen, your five senses can, God's word will supersede your five senses. When, he, when, when, when Peter said to him, Lord, is that you? He said, if it be you, bid me to come. Now, how many of you know that your five senses says, man, you can't walk on that water? Peter, what, he wasn't new to water. He was a fisherman. He, he, he knew you couldn't just be out there walking around on water. But the word propelled him to forget about that. Yes. You got to learn to let God's word propel you to forget about your five senses. That's what God was challenging me on yesterday. He was like, you say you want to do this thing. When are you going to do it? It's like, well, I'm going to do it today. Then do it. 
But that's why you got to move quickly because your senses are designed to keep you safe. Now, your senses doesn't understand it's keeping you safe. You got a budget. You should have a budget. Nothing wrong with having a budget. You need to have a budget. Search is going to come back in two weeks. She's going to talk more about what all the things we need to do. You need to have a budget. But when your budget tells God no, you got to get rid of your budget. When your budget tell God no, you got to get rid of your budget. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. It says you will despise one and you will love the other. The Bible says bitter and sweet cannot come out the same fountain. So there's nothing wrong with having a budget. The church has a budget. But I can't tell God no when he challenges me to do something with the budget. What I then have to learn to do is to believe God for his budget. And when you get to that, see, now, the reality of it is, is some people be like, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, I ain't trying to do none of that. That's okay. God has an uncanny way of waiting on us. As teachers, we talk about wait time. I was evaluating somebody the other day. I was looking in a, in a, in a class they were doing, and they were like, you know, what's six plus two? And they wait, and they go, okay, eight? Okay, great. And they get to move on. That ain't wait time. God will be like, what's six plus two? You don't say nothing in 2015. You don't say nothing in 2016. You don't say nothing in 2017. 2018. You say, it's five. You say, nope. What's six plus eight? What's six plus two? You wait six months. You say it's seven. He said, no, baby. He just keep asking you the same thing over and over. <laughs> he got great wait time, right? And then you go, oh, it's eight. He go, yeah. And then, and then, when, he, and then, and then when you say eight, he, he rejoiced with you. He's like, yeah, all right, you got it. Revelation, praise God. He got great wait time. He got great wait time. God, God's not in a hurry. Whether, listen, whether God bless you today or two weeks from now, he's still going to be God. How soon that happens has everything to do with how fast you believe. It has everything to do with how fast you believe. And watch this. Because he is the blesser, you don't have the right to put a timetable on it. So you, your job as a believer is to do what? Believe. And then once you believe, then the Bible says that when you pray, believe you receive. When you so technically, the moment you ask, you already. But I know we don't always believe that because we say we're waiting on God. Let me give you these three scriptures we can go. Write these down. Romans 12 and 2. Romans 12 and 12. Galatians 6 and 9. Romans 12 and 12. Galatians 6 and 9. Luke 21, 19. Luke 21, 19. So Romans 12 and 12. It says, be joyful in hope, but be patient in affliction and be faithful in prayer. Romans 12 and 12. Be joyful in hope. I love it. Be patient in your afflictions. Patient doesn't mean put up with. If you get sick, don't just be like, well, Lord, put this sickness on me. No, no, no. Patient means what? Consistent. Be consistent in the word. Be consistent in your believing. Be joyful in hope. 
be patient in affliction, but be faithful in prayer. What does it mean to be faithful in prayer? It means to believe what you're praying. Don't be praying, Lord, turn it around, and then saying, Lord, ain't going to turn it around. Be faithful in prayer. Galatians 6 and 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. You, some of y'all, I don't know about your children, but if you have children, they actually have the ability to weary you. Now, now, now hear, me, hear me out. They can keep asking over and over and over, and when you really didn't care anyway, they just, you'd be like, yeah. Sometimes they keep, they, can I go outside, can I go outside? No, can I go outside, can I go Yeah, go ahead, go outside. <laughs> that's, that's what weary is, where you just give in to what's going on. The Bible says don't be weary while you're doing good. In other words, don't, all this bad stuff that's happening, don't just be like, oh, just forget it, it's all bad. Don't let your confession turn to the environment, amen? It says for that the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. Say, I don't quit. I don't quit. Say, I don't cave in. I don't give up. And then lastly, Luke 21 and 19. It says, stand firm and you will win in life. That's the NIV version. I love it. It said, Luke 21, 19. It says, stand firm and you will win in life. It just don't get no more plain than that. I, had, I read it. Now, if you read it out of Luke 21, 19, a couple of places, that it, it, it says it, but it don't say it like that. So if you're taking notes, put NIV beside that. It says, stand firm, and you will win in life. Yes. Now, why can we say we're going to win in life? Because God's already made you a winner. God's already made you a winner. Yes. And because God's already made you a winner, all you have to do is stand and keep winning. Amen? So that's how you respond to faith. You're going to have faith challenges this week. You're going to have faith challenges this month. Just remember you got to make sure you exalt the promise more than the problem. you got to make sure that you're giving God praise. Amen? Yes. When, those, when, those, when those things come and they happen and they will come and they will happen, be thankful. Give God praise in the midst of that. And then you got to make sure that you don't open your mouth and say the wrong thing. Be like that Shunammite woman. Something goes on, say, you know what, it's all well. It's all well. You get some notice from the, from the school telling you something happened you didn't expect or something didn't go, it's all well. Just make sure you say the right thing. And then you just, you just, you got to make sure that you understand that you're working, you're living in those finished works. Amen? Yeah. All right. Get the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah.